Hey, paisanos. It's me, Gary Butterfield, from Watch Out for Fireballs, thanking our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Patrons such as Jonathan Scratch, Max Soldner, Jake Minardi, Alharia, and Malachi McCree, uh, which might be Malachi, but if it's Malachi, that's fucking cool. Uh, thank you all, and uh, thanks, uh, you know, if you want to join them, if you want to join the, uh, the, the crew that I just named, they're cool, uh, go to patreon.com slash TV. Thank you. to start recording okay i am ready when you are my name is gary butterfield my name is cole ross and you're listening to watch out for fireballs it is a games club podcast and this week we are talking about another world also known in america as out of this world it is a cinematic platformer developed and published by delphine software for pc in 1991 yeah, uh, an undeniably important game mm-hmm. and a tiny little snacklet between uh, the gigantic, you know, Terranigma mm-hmm. and Vampire. Like, you know, that Tim and Eric sketch where uh, it's Michael Sarah and his two brothers. <laughs> yeah, his two big guys. Uh, the, the kitty cat man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The kitty cat man. This is that's what the schedule is like. <laughs> this is Michael Sarah being yeah. like a tiny little man in between. A big ice cream sandwich, a gigantic, yeah, broad shoulders beef <laughs> games in association with the Torg brothers, yeah, yeah, and introducing <laughs> yeah, the Torg brothers. This is uh, the tiny little baby in the middle of the Torgs, yeah. Um, yeah, this is a this is a very influential game. I'm of mixed feeling about uh about kind of like how this is to play to to today. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine playing this without save states is uh mm-hmm. is, is, is kind of the thing uh but it's real neat and it's kind of like stepping into a weird time warp to play something that feels that feels this modern um and you realize it feels this modern because so many developers took this as a uh as an inspiration um or you know even today people's inspirations were inspired by this this is foundational it, it's it's one of those things where this is almost like a topics episode yeah the the experience of playing this video game is you know kind of really really secondary to the impact on the story of its creation yes you know uh and in its it's real light like the save states make it a lot easier uh any modern version of this that you're playing you know the the re-releases and such we'll talk about all that have really generous checkpointing yeah uh and you have to adjust your expectations to what it is like if you think of this in terms of being like 
a cooler version of Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes down a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's not the playing it is not the most interesting thing about it. About it. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, that influence, which even if you've never heard of this somehow, uh, there's just literally no way you haven't heard of something, you know, that is influenced by this. Yes. It's got a big Velvet Underground mm-hmm. uh, kind of quality to it. Yeah, if if the Velvet Underground sold you know millions of copies and was ported to every single system, yeah, very successful Velvet Underground. <laughs> yeah. uh, imagine the Velvet Underground. Uh, what what's a more what's a popular influential band? The the Breedles, Breedles, <laughs> or something like that. Like a different yeah. a different band that everyone liked from the sixties or seventies or fifties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in this game, you play as a uh, the embarrassingly named scientist Lester Knight Chaken. Um, if it's just Lester Chaken, it's not so bad. Yeah. But his middle name is Knight, like he's fucking Batman. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's one of those things. So you remember for about ten years when the funniest joke racists could make was mispronouncing M Night Shyamalan's name. Sure. Yeah, uh, they were making fun of the wrong part of his name because Shyamalan, given name, just it's, mm-hmm. it, it's what name his parents had gave to him. Um, he gave himself the nickname Knight in college. Yeah, M Knight. M Knight. So, <laughs> we the whole world has like right now in the meme sphere, Morbius is going crazy. Yes, you know, uh, that energy has been with us forever, though. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of of a Morbius, a Doctor <laughs> Michael Morbius, is the same. There, like if you took a chart, like a DNA chart, or sent that I that meme off to Ancestry dot com, mm-hmm. you would find ties to M Knight. Yes, you know, in that. Um, and also it allows when i first read his name you get to walk around your house uh singing uh night shaken uh, yeah shaken night shaken uh he's a heroic scientist adventurer Mm -hmm. and he's doing some uh late night unauthorized experiments that transport him to a very hostile alien world and he has to try to escape imprisonment uh this is like a vignette this is you know, you're not spending days and days in the mm-hmm. alien world. This is the escape. Yes. This is the game. Yeah. Uh, it is you and you meet up with a buddy and you are kind of going through a couple of different set pieces and then uh, venturing off into an ambiguous unknown. Um, you know, it, it kind of picks up. It's real in media res. Like uh, mm-hmm. there's the inciting incident of the of the lab accident. But like you're going on to other stuff uh, that we do not see as players. Uh, I love how uh, limited the time frame is. Yes. Of this game, like the idea, you know, this this game is really revolutionary and, and does a lot of really interesting things. And one of the ones that I never, uh, it's like disclosure, I did a Retronauts about this. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I've talked about on a podcast before, but of course I have changed. You mm-hmm. can't step in the same river twice. One of the things that I uh, have grown to appreciate about it that I didn't, didn't occur to me then was how few games there are that are like, this is a uh, chronologically dense, mm-hmm. like let's do a game about what 20 minutes is like in this dude's life. Yeah. Like an action packed 20 minutes, but a 20 minute, it's, it's almost like, um, like a hotline Miami level. Yeah. But with a different rhythm of like restarting and everything, but it's still just one action scene. Mm-hmm. You know, this would, this would be a, a 10 minute, 15 minute sequence in a, in a movie that had lots of downtime and exposition. It's just the escape. Yeah. 
anything that feels grandiose about this, and it does feel grandiose, um, is achieved by implication. It is, you know, something that happens because of, you know, uh, something that is implied by the, like the guards, uh, by the decoration here, by the, uh, by the cityscapes, by the landscape that you see behind you. Um, everything that is concerned about your action is incredibly focused and we get just this little slice of what this alien civilization is like. Yep. Which is part of why this is so influential. Yeah. Like this does not tell the complete story. Yeah. Uh, I think the words that the creator used was a hostile and, and, and foreign environment that is still plausible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels deeply plausible. Yeah. Um, we should explain what a cinematic platformer is. We should. Because that's not a uh, genre that gets around all that often. Yeah. Uh, probably the foundational work in this subgenre is Karataka, maybe? Karataka, like Jordan Mechner uh, did. Uh, Prince of is, Persia, more he, like Karataka is a fighting game. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, Prince of Persia, I think, would be the example of this, um, which is a platformer where movement is incredibly uh, precise. Uh, there is a big emphasis on animation. Uh, everything is kind of uh, locked to your animation uh, as you go. And it is meant to kind of emphasize how would a person realistically navigate these video game like spaces? Yes. In like a weird, stiff, quantized way. Yeah. You know, if you if you never played the original Prince of Persia's, you may have played um, Abe's Odyssey. Yeah, we covered that uh, back toward the beginning of the show. Yeah, like a, a series of video games I don't like very much anymore, but mm-hmm. that's also a, a very popular work in this. And if you've never played those, you probably played Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. And Tomb Raider's platforming segments uh, are kind of a 3D version of this, both in terms of like being grid-based uh, and being all about kind of precision mm-hmm. uh, platforming. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, oftentimes these, uh, at least in the 2D era, involved rotoscoped animation. Again, that's the Jordan Mechner uh, kind of vibe. You know, him taking footage of his little brother doing these different uh, movements. Uh, Rotoscoping is in play here. Uh, It's kind of meant to uh, kind of crank up this sense of verisimilitude, even though the actual locations are pretty exotic. And the the graphical style, this is all polygon, so it's all very kind of flat. And you get the impression of, so you get these uncannily animated Mm -hmm characters that look very low detail yeah and stuff uh it all really contributes to a mood Mm -hmm. uh, which is difficult to express but we're gonna try yeah um in addition to kind of jumping and running you also have just kind of context dependent uh actions this is very simple there's just a jump and a do stuff button and directional pad that's all we got yes uh, uh, typically, your do stuff button is used for your badass alien blaster. Yeah, you pick up. I love this thing. It, it's great. I love that you get this, and your enemies have the pretty much the exact same capabilities. Really, the only thing that they get to do that you don't is they have grenades that they can throw, like little rolly bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this gun is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not just a gun. Uh, it has multiple fire modes. Uh, really early on. When that was not super popular, mm-hmm. there are three different kinds of shots. Uh, you can tap it to shoot a laser. Uh, this will one shot kill aliens who threaten you. Everything dies in one shot yeah. from this laser. Super powerful laser. If you charge for a short amount of time, you create a little force field yeah. in front of you. Uh, the effect is very awesome looking. These like pixels uh, just kind of dancing, uh, yeah. dancing around in front of you. And uh, this will block a certain number of shots. You can also, uh, it doesn't block organic matter. Mm-hmm. So you can stick your arm out of it. Yes. Uh, and then you can charge it 
uh, for a while, and it becomes a big, powerful laser that can either bust through a force field in one shot or destroy some uh, environmental elements like walls uh, and bits of rock. Yes. And such. Yeah. Uh, and figuring out how to use these is important, not just for uh, combat, because, you know, anything you can do, the enemies can do as well, but also for solving these puzzles, right? Blowing through doors. There's a situation where you have to, like, blow through a small section of cave to uh, to, to flood uh, the area so you can, um, uh, uh, you know, get past a later area, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it, it all, like, the, the, the environment is real kind of, like, simmy, uh, and this is your main way of affecting it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in kind of an adventure game sense, even though this is a combat engine mm-hmm. of sorts. Yes. Uh, that the game has. And the combat in this is weirdly kind of compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's real. It's still part of the kind of puzzle gameplay. You're still, you know, playing the game to know when you need to use it. You know, it, it's still this trial and error thing, which we'll talk about in a general sense in the rhythm. Mm-hmm. But I find uh, these duels weirdly uh again that word plausible yeah you know uh they feel like duels they feel like um a formalized version of combat yeah you know uh you and your your enemy just stand there both holding your gun out and (laughs) the only thing you're really managing is whether the tip of your gun is sticking out from your force field and how uh you know how long you maintain a force field Mm -hmm. like monitoring the health and stuff it's very abstract but it, it feels real to me yeah. The fact that you and enemies die in one hit. Uh, but in addition to that, like there are an awful lot of times where enemies will shoot at you and it will not hit. Uh, mm-hmm. They have sometimes a uh, stormtrooper accuracy. Right. Uh, and that is used um, to really good effect to make chases uh, feel very, uh, very active and alive you know like very cinematic yeah they're they're not hitting you because they're not standing there you know aiming like they're taking pot shots wildly in hopes that one of them will get you you know yeah Yeah. uh part way uh through the game very early on you get a companion uh you get a guy uh, he's known as buddy that is his uh his unofficial name Mm-hmm. Uh, he's named in later materials and stuff. Uh, he is an alien who also did alien crimes and you can find all about, all about them in the uh, sequel, Yeah, uh, which I don't recommend. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. It's not good. Yeah. Um, but he, he has a backstory, but now you're just two people who, you know, both wrongly imprisoned and you depend on each other. Yes. Uh, and they, they kind of do this friendship, this mutual uh, dependence, mm-hmm. um, this relationship based on that, which again, there's no word. We didn't mention this before. No words in this game. Yeah. Uh, it's completely silent. Um, so they have to kind of sell this relationship mm-hmm. uh, and this, this guy's benevolence entirely silently. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're in the cell and he's not trying to hurt you, you get him out and then he like helps clear areas in front of you. Um, you know, uh, there'll be times during the game, you know, pretty, you know, resonant times, uh, again, for a game that has no words, no dialogue, anything like that, where, you know, you will save his life. And then a little bit later, he will save yours. You'll go out of your way to make sure he survives. That's enforced by the systems. If buddy dies, then you get a game over. Um, but, uh, it is, you get invested, you know, in uh, trying to make sure that he gets through these situations. Um, yeah, because, uh, yeah. you know, you want to do a solid for somebody who saved your life. Well, and the main thing that you, that they communicate to you immediately is just like, he's in a cage too. Yes. You know, that's, that's really elegant. You're in the same situation. Uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same situation. Like it, it's, it's really kind of doing a good job of, uh, doing that enemy mine kind of common enemy. Yeah. You know, creating a, a bond across species, across language. Yeah. 
um, really elegant presentation of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are cool scenes where like you get through situations because of mutual planning. You know, there's like a, like a guard barrack kind of deal where he'll go in the front door and keep them busy. So you can sneak around back and uh, shoot the guys from behind. Do you think that buddy was imprisoned because he's got this dorky voice and everybody, all the other guys have cool, tough guy voices and buddy's the only guy on the prison who sounds like a Muppet. You know, I played the SNES version for this, uh, so I could have, so I could have safe States, you know, uh, figuring Mm -hmm. if the gameplay was going to be mostly the same. I have not heard buddy's voice. Can you do an impression of buddy? He goes, (laughs) that's that's the only thing he says. He pats you on the shoulders. You're out to leave and goes, he sounds like, he sounds like stitch. (laughs) He he is basically a gigantic bipedal stitch, uh, something in a, a a walking stitch, a walking battle stitch. (laughs) Some manner of walking stitch. Yeah. He, uh, but yeah, everyone else goes like, Oh. and and he's a yeah yeah he's just there for fun maybe he's a he's a deserter maybe he didn't want to per, uh, participate in the brutality maybe he's like Bach from elden ring he uh boy his village got taken over by people and he goes on a bloody rampage of revenge okay. against his insurgents in the sequel so my theory does not hold <laughs> yeah he's he's a he's a he's a creature of war <laughs> of war uh, except in the sequel the big difference you know as you play through that you get a laser whip which cool. is pretty badass looking. cool so they make yeah. so it's prince of persia meets castlevania it's uh but way 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 oh, well, worse yeah, yeah. It's it's so hard. <laughs> it's so much worse in terms of everything that's kind of bad about this game in terms of playing it. Uh-huh. Uh, are the aliens way worse? Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Uh, I mean, so let's talk about that difficulty. We've said this, but this is real trial and error um yes yeah uh, you know save states really do kind of help this out i didn't play the uh the modern uh remake uh which you you have led me to believe has better kind of better checkpoints uh there are just times you know there are some deaths which feel a little bit like oh yeah i was just running and then somebody stepped off the edge of the screen the screen and shot me okay well i'm gonna just kind of proceed there are situations where it feels like you need to have information that is acquired only by dying because you didn't have that information. There's one particular puzzle where it's like, I would not have thought to do this thing, except when I got to the end, there was no water here when I needed to jump into it. So let's solve that problem. It ends up feeling a little bit like a ton of zero where like the unsuccessful runs are running simulations to figure out. Or, or like um, a little bit like that hotline mammy. Yeah. Thing just, you know, with a different uh, kind of loop structure. It's, it's 100% that. Yeah. Like, uh, and to me, it presents the, uh, the kind of the argument for and against trial and error yeah. as a thing like trial and error is a bad word in video games. Um, a lot of things are trial and error mm-hmm. more than, uh, I think typically are considered yeah. such. And, uh, it on this game to me unlocks when I started thinking about that as the point again, like a dragon's lair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there are puzzles you're solving in this, but a lot of times you don't have the, again, like you mentioned, you don't have the information yeah. uh, until you die. It's more like uh, you, you want to see the the movie, Yeah, you know, so you do the right things to see the movie uh, to have it keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that is not good game design. No. Like, and, and we all know it, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's not good to have that kind of uh, signaling. The thing that, to me, uh, makes this still 
important and worthy is that uh, one, the things that aren't that are all really remarkable and influential. Yeah. But two, the consequence tends to be really low. That's the um, thing. This is leavened by the fact that it is so incredibly short. If this was a five-hour game of this, it would be, especially if it escalated beyond where it goes, or if it stretched out and uh, kind of escalated for longer. Um, uh, yeah, that would be too much. The fact that this it, is... Heart of Darkness. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is, which is a sequel or another, this guy's follow-up game yeah. they made on the PlayStation. Um, yeah, it wouldn't work mm-hmm. as such. And it's kind of the thing that, um, other cinematic games like do the right input to keep watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I think that they're missing. Yeah. Like even in, in a good version of that, like just a, like a cinematic, you know, do the right thing to keep watching the movie game. They almost always outstay their welcome. Yeah. This is the only one I know that's like 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm if you do everything right. And that feels about right. Yeah. For this kind of thing to me, mm-hmm. it makes it a weird value, you know, you, but it's so old and you probably already have it in a bundle. And if not, you can play the super Nintendo version, which is fine and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really have to think about it in terms of value. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. an artifact. And there's also the situation where like some of the deaths are, you know, interesting, like, okay, I didn't know that little, uh, line squirming along the ground was a, what was a, you know venomous leech that would kill me instantly but uh seeing the deaths at certain points is a little bit like that as content you got you run into like a mac venture kind of thing with this very uh, much so yeah or like sierra yeah you know like you you want to see the creative ways you can die and that enforces the hostility of the planet mm-hmm. you know and the kind of verisimilitude of uh this this night shakens uh, <laughs> situation which like twere to happen to me Mm -hmm. i of course would immediately drown or get killed by a leech oh i would be grabbed by that tentacle in that pool immediately yeah yeah (laughs) i don't expect leeches to like do a a fucking (laughs) alley-oop to to try to kill me (laughs) yeah yeah so like there's some stuff that if this was in this if this was in any other game we would probably be a little bit we, we would cut it less slack Right. But because of because of when this came out and because of like the the, the stakes of failure, it ends up kind of being a little bit more swallowable. Like it it works. It could be as is. It could almost be um, like uh, like an H.I.O. game to me. Uh, When I when I did. uh, What is it? uh, Faith play that for for Duckstream. That is Mm -hmm. a bunch of trial and error deaths uh, as you figure things out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's also a do the right thing to keep seeing the story. Yes. And you want to see the deaths because they have these cool animations. Yeah. How cool is Faith? I didn't know you played that for Duck Stream. Uh, we played uh, the first one. I just watched. I watched Brayton. We kind of couch played it mm-hmm. together. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's super cool. Like, I mean, the, the trick is the main cool thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the, the uh, it's cool in general mm-hmm. yeah. as well. But it just it, it's uh, a good example for the modernity yes yeah. of this game is to think of it in those terms yeah even though it was a triple a game and, and sold really really well mm-hmm. yeah scopes change over time yeah. uh the console versions of this have passwords mm-hmm. uh they happen at the beginning of scenes they're kind of blocked up that way uh the later ports of this don't do that it's all behind the scenes yeah it just continues at the most recent one mm-hmm. uh if you stop you don't play this in a setting yeah but um and it adds a lot more yeah so. I could I could see that being the case on the SNES version. Some of the uh, some of the checkpoints are pretty far back because they can't make it modular. So it has to be like you plausibly could have screwed up at any given point along these series of events, and we can't show you a password for each one of them. Yeah, it's a I like I understand 
the logic behind doing the Super Nintendo version. I think mm-hmm. that if somebody hears this and they want to give this a spin, the if you have a version of the uh, the re-releases, yeah, yeah, probably worthwhile giving it a shot. It's another thing too. Like I wanted to see like how impressive did this look on the SNES? You know, given its mm-hmm. limitations, it still looks really impressive on that too. It looks great. Yeah, and that's how I that's how I played it as a kid. Yeah, so I have a lot of affection for that version. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about this uh, this absolute colossal genius weirdo who made this on his own <laughs> uh who comes off as incredibly mysterious and 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 strange in interviews <laughs> I, th- I think he just comes across as french <laughs> i i mean that that could be what that you you know what you're right that is the word i was looking for uh-huh. i just <laughs> i couldn't find it um, yeah uh yeah his uh his name is eric uh shahi uh, I think is how, mm-hmm. is how you pronounce that. Uh, I you, you can never pronounce French correctly. You can never be French enough for them. Cha or Shahi. Shahi, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but he wanted to tell the story with as little text as possible in order to keep it cinematic, right? Um, there's like a there's a scroll at the beginning that doesn't even really set things up. It just kind of explains mm-hmm. things in media res. Um, but uh, this also includes having like no on screen interface uh, to distract from the action. Yes. Uh, and some, you know, many elements of gameplay lend themselves to that directly, you know, in terms of you dying in one hit, other ones do less. So like you mm-hmm. do have, uh, your gun doesn't need to be recharged. Yeah. You know, for example, and that was something that would benefit from a UI. Uh, it works without it yeah. and it works for putting the player in the character's position of like, I wouldn't know how this fucking worked. <laughs> you know, uh, the aesthetic of the game is very, uh, you know, pronounced and unique. Yeah. Um, it is flat shaded kind of graphical elements, uh, with very smooth animation. Think the money for nothing. Yeah. Uh, video. Yeah. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just very, uh, cinematic framing to the scenes, like a lot of very artful direction. Yeah. To how um, things are presented. Really cool background and foreground elements. Like you will be running and doing your own thing. And then you'll see like buddy is off having his own adventure in the foreground. Uh, you know, or you'll see um, like uh, guards rallying in the foreground, like trying to react to you, stuff like that. It's great. Yeah. It, it really cool looking video game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, still. The, the landscape work in this is amazing too. Yeah. 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 Uh, artistically, like this is a triumph and I think holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, you know, I think this looks to me way better than like a Donkey Kong country, like yeah. other technical achievements mm-hmm. uh, that were also on the Super Nintendo, even though this came about before the Super Nintendo. But yeah. um, just looks so much better yeah. to me. It's like clean, uh, kind of perfect looking. Yeah. Uh, this this does feel like the work of a young man uh, to a certain degree, especially in the way that uh, Shahi talks about it, because he basically just made a game out of all the stuff that he already enjoyed. Uh, so mm-hmm. when naming influences from this, you know, he cites stuff from like Dune, Star Wars, like even Dragon Ball, uh, specifically the manga, uh, and the way that very little is, con- or a lot is conveyed with very little, uh, and mm-hmm. kind of the line art, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and then also like, you know, visually like painting wise, he refers to the art of like Frank Fazetta and, um, Zitzlaw Beksinski. He loves uh fantasy art. Yes. This, uh, this guy he specifically wanted to do this uh explore the sci-fi thing because he had explored many of his other like influences and likes mm-hmm. in previous games he had done which like no one has ever played because they're all on european computers <laughs> little microcomputers yeah yeah little microcomputers like i mean people have played them but nobody yeah. you know very few americans have mm-hmm. um the main thing he got help with like so he did the programming and art for this the main thing he got help with was the music uh from his friend uh, jean francois um 
they made music inspired by the Back to the Future soundtrack uh, for this. He gave him the Back to the Future soundtrack and was like, give me this. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and the way that we're describing it makes this sound not artful and melancholy and lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mashup of Dune, Star Wars, Dragon Ball, and Back to the Future yeah. with Frank Frenzetta art mm-hmm. sounds like an entirely different kind of cool game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, than this, the music is really sparse and moody mm-hmm. and like good. Uh, one little like weird, the, the, just this guy doing everything himself. Mm-hmm. One touch I absolutely love in this game is the fully work. Yeah. Um, the documentary <laughs> part where they talk about just having to create all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is real fun. And everything sounds great. The, the skeletons crumbling when you shoot them. Uh huh. Oh, it's a satisfying sound. <laughs> well, was it that he, that, that he used the dot matrix printer to do? Cause apparently he relied it's on the dot elevator. Ma- yeah. <laughs> it's the sound of his elevator, the elevator going down. Uh, oh, gosh, all the sample work that they did, uh, just describing doing the, the, the guitar solo at the end. Yeah. That, that documentary mm-hmm. is really good. Just do a search for another world making of on YouTube and you'll mm-hmm. find it there. It's from the, uh, the 15th anniversary re-release. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the soundtrack is great. Yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot to it. But it, it's very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like we said, uh, Shahi, he completed most of the game uh, almost single-handedly. There was some inv- involvement from with a, an old developer of his kind of toward the end. Uh, but he, you know, valued his independence on this. He wanted to, uh, you know, fund this himself uh, with royalties from a uh, previous uh, game that he had developed that was pretty successful called Future Wars. Again, one of those European microcomputer uh, kind of deals. And, you know, this was kind of his return to programming. He had been doing uh, like art direction, art design for a long time, because uh, that's just where his career migrated to. But when he started making his own thing, no engine would suffice. So as you do uh, back in this day, especially, uh, he started developing his own like, uh, de- de- developing his own engine, uh, first starting, I believe, in C, um, and then deciding this is not good enough. So he went down to assembly. The uh, If you look at his gameography... And you look at his old games, they're also visually striking. Yeah. Uh, Future Wars has big, beautiful backgrounds, you know, for a game called Future Wars. <laughs> like uh, the Chahi touch in terms of visuals were still there. Yeah. Um, he ended up making uh, this thing, you know, this art style that mimicked po- uh, polygonal art with vectors in order to reduce memory usage. And he was inspired by seeing the Amiga port of Dragon's Lair, which is really impressive, mm-hmm. um, but didn't. Uh, they had to fill in every pixel, yeah, you know, and it came on six to eight discs, <laughs> uh, which is a wild thing to think about because Dragon's Lair, this is a, a 25 minute game right. that you die a lot. Dragon's Lair is like a six minute game <laughs> with, with, you know, th- three times as many just instant death <laughs> choices. Yeah. Yeah. So doing this uh, with vector, you know, required less memory and allowed it to uh, be a little bit more, uh, you know, less disc intensive. It wasn't, you take a step and then you put in another, another disc and wait for it to spin up, uh, kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Again, the, the documentary, it's neat watching them do the, do the design because, you know, designing the vectors for this, it's a little bit like doing tangrams to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're going to kind of mimic this 3d here, but it's going to be, um, you know, almost just with these transformations across these multiple different, different polygons that are going to be auto filled because again, this is all just math. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's it's a great little bit of like old computer porn mm-hmm. to to watch him create this in this old 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 engine. Yeah, he, there, real fun. He, he knew that he was cooking with gas on this engine once he got it to run at twenty frames per second, which is uh, pretty impressive. 
uh, in terms of animation. Like that's more, that's roughly more than um, like hand-drawn animation was done uh, at the time, especially uh, cheap animation. Um, Mm -hmm. so like it looked incredibly smooth, smooth, you know, even at the, uh, the low resolutions, like the 320 by 320 of the Amiga. Um, yeah, I, 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 I need to get like a, there, there needs to be a book that is like, here are the notable Amiga games and like the wild shit that happens that they were able to get out of them. I think that'd be a really interesting, um, you know, reference book like that. It's a a system that I wish I knew more about. I, I get that uh, an anxiety when I think about systems I have. I've talked about this before. Yeah. I have very little experience with just thinking like that system probably had, if it didn't have a Mario, mm-hmm. it at least had a game that was like really good. Yeah. And I'll get really anxious. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a real dumb anxiety trigger where I'm like, oh, I've never played the best TurboGrafx-16 game. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, you really have. Dumb. Toilet Kids. We did it on yeah, I, I probably have. It's <laughs> pretty rad. Um, but like, uh, you know, I have that, that feeling. Uh, and I would like to get a book that just kind of lays out yeah. that stuff for basically every obscure system. I'd mm-hmm. love to get that for the Z- Zeddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you specky. You'll speak American on this podcast. <laughs> the Zeddy Yaki Specky. You know, what, if next time we need uh, like another game that is the story is interesting, but the game is wretched would be dragon's lair. Yeah. I think that I hate that game, but there, there's enough there to like talk oh, yeah. about. Cause it's such a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like we got to do a dragon's lair episode at some point. Yeah. Just to talk about the story. Agreed. Um, yeah. uh, really interestingly, uh, for a one man project, this was not laid out, uh, completely. This was not like maniac mansion where they have the board game version of it Yeah, where they set it out. Like this was largely, uh, developed improvisationally and chronologically uh because it was quicker to create things in engine than to mock them up on paper yeah um he has drawings of the kind of beginning of the game they're really cool looking he's an artist first and foremost um or not first and foremost but you know primarily did art direction for a long time and is a painter um they're really cool to look at but it was just slowing him down yeah to do it that way like the system he had created was too good Mm mm-hmm yeah. So it, you know, like it's, it's kind of strange the way he talks about this is like, oh yeah, I mean, every stage of this kind of like describes a little bit of where my head was at over the course of the 24 months that I was developing this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, real neat. He also, he did the cover, which I love. Oh, it's such a good cover. Uh, it's such a great cover and you can see him like the different drafts for it. <laughs> like just color test where he did these big, beautiful paintings yeah. uh, and just did different, entirely different mock-ups of them with different color schemes mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. And he's just, it's again, when you talk about him coming off as very French <laughs> in the documentary, he's just very low key. And just like, I've always thought wanted to do the cover for a game that I've done. And I figured this would be the opportunity. Yeah. He has this weird, mysterious smile <laughs> on his face the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh so progress progress got pretty slow. He got like 17 months in and he decided this is probably not going to get done if it's just me, so he went to his old uh his old buddies for help, Delphine Software, uh previous uh developer and publisher they had worked with, and they courted Virgin Interac- Virgin Interactive as a publisher um over in uh over in Europe. Uh, this was uh, mm-hmm. published by Interplay over here in America. Saying uh Virgin Interactive the same way as saying Gremlin Interactive, aka like Girl Interrupted, <laughs> is pretty fun. <laughs> like just throw a comma in there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah, uh, just so many things could benefit from a comma. Yeah, just 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 yeah. uh, just start go go around putting commas on stuff, especially on yeah. signs. 
road version signs. interactive versus gremlin interactive yeah um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, virgin wanted him to uh make it a point and click game but he refused this uh based on just kind of feedback he'd gotten from his playtester and his friends no uh there uh, there's there's a lot of uh threads in the story of this of him just being very obstinate yeah about getting what he wants uh and for kind of artistic integrity reasons yeah it's pretty cool yeah uh, one of those, the obstinance, this is a, a hilarious anecdote because <laughs> like the way he chose to handle it, didn't get anything done. Uh, so it, he didn't, he didn't do this. This he, is a very common oh, uh, misconception. Oh, okay. If you, if, if you read his account, he just talked about doing it, but his lawyer, the lawyers fixed it first. Ah, okay. I got bad advice. Yeah. I got, I got bad information on this. So the, the, the legend is, um, that, uh, interplay wanted him to change the intro music because they didn't like it. So he sent an endless fax, just a loop of paper, um, to their office saying, keep the original intro music, you know, just over and over basically like a, like a DDoS kind of thing. Um, yeah. Tape, taping to ends, you know, it's a fact. So he had to take a long piece of paper mm-hmm. and tape the ends together. So it just always thought it was looping and he yeah. was just going to use up all the paper uh in the ea offices yeah uh but his his lawyer advised him against it and he ended up working out with the lawyers for ea gotcha uh and the compromise was they added some music mm-hmm. to it they wanted to replace all of the music yeah um chahi's compromise was that all of his friends music remained in but they could add music okay now, oh that's good he was sticking up for his buddy yeah it's great and just like you know it didn't back down mm-hmm. like you know can you imagine being the the, the balls on this dude mm-hmm. like you're just a guy and then EA is like, no, we want to do this thing to publish your game. Oh, and you're it, like, no. I mean, Interplay, like an, an even or bigger Interplay, player. Yeah, yeah no. an even bigger yeah. player at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you just say no. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, yeah. There's some confusion in referring to this game. Uh, it's kind of an Indigo Prophecy Fahrenheit kind of deal. Uh, in America, this is referred to as out of this world. Uh, this is, you know, anybody who played this back in the day would refer to it by this. Nowadays, when you buy it, it's called another world. They had to change the name because, um, uh, another world was already the name of a popular soap opera, um, uh, that is <laughs> related to the Cosby show. Uh, that's a different I, world. Oh, that's a different world. Yes. Yeah. Another world was a different, uh, soap opera. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I, a, I, I got those confused. <laughs> names. <laughs> well, they're, they're very similar, mm-hmm. you know, and out of this world doesn't sound anything like them out of this world. Sounds like it's going to be a advertisement for a koosh ball or something or a mad ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's funny is, uh, out of this world came out in America and then immediately a television show called out of this world, uh, uh, came out, you know, hit the airwaves, uh, and yeah. you know, out of this world, uh, you know, I think is a bit more memorable than whatever that shitty sci-fi show was. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, nobody remembers that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, originally, this game was created for the Amiga and the Atari ST, uh, but it's been ported to everything, mm-hmm. uh, including a really impressive uh, fan port for the GBA Ooh. Uh, that's worth looking up footage of. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is on everything. Yeah. Uh, because it was wildly successful. Yeah. Yeah. Really well received. Sold well. Um, it reviews the, that you read. It kind of sounds like people breathlessly praising Heavy Rain. Uh, back in the day a little bit <laughs> yeah uh another french cinematic developer uh kind of deal um but uh but yeah it's it's funny reading the way people talk about it modern re-releases have uh you know you know like you read, read reviews of those it kind of you know drops in esteem again just because progress moves on and the re-releases are uh really faithful right yeah 
again, it, it's an artifact. Yeah. Like it, it, the, the act of playing this is not the most important mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, he really wanted to make a sequel uh, to, or the, the developer wanted a sequel and he thought of an idea and he wanted to do this game again, but from the alien's perspective, mm-hmm. from uh, buddy's perspective, yeah. um, and he's going to be involved, but he ultimately ended up not being involved. Uh, and people made the sequel without him. Uh, <laughs> it's a Sega CD exclusive. It's called heart of the alien. Uh, the Sega CD version is interesting because it's both games. Yeah. It's uh, out of this world. One and one the and other two. as one story. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it replaced the music with music that his friend did, but, uh, updated. Hmm. Um, so the, it's apparently the best soundtrack yeah. version of it. Uh, but you end up having to play a bunch of heart of the alien, which <sighs> heart of the alien is real weird. It's, uh, much more mean spirited. Hmm. The animation, everything's very over animated. And instead of being like in another world, you're on a screen and maybe the death trap is, you know, you're walking in a stalactite falls. Yeah. You know, and there's maybe two of them on a screen and you get past it. In Heart of the Alien, you're in a situation where, you know, death comes at you maybe 10 or 12 times in a screen. So you have to like, you know, execute a much longer chain of controls. And it was a lot more uh, complicated, Mm. the things you were doing to to dodge. So it didn't, uh, it works way worse. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, that sounds uh, like a nightmare. Night Chicken dies in it, and the buddy has to get revenge. <laughs> uh, on, uh, <laughs> on, uh, yeah, it's 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 not good. It's weird too because it looks similar. Uh-huh. Like it's obviously taking the same kind of style, but it's a little crappier. Yeah, like yeah. everything just moves pretty weird. It looks like Wand of Gamelon. Oh yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no thanks. No thank you. Uh, as we said, this is a really influential game, uh, especially in Japan, uh, when you kind of read about this in, in, uh, the influence here. Uh, and you can see that, right? This would have been an incredibly easy game to localize. You have no text, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it communicates so much non-verbally. So, like, they're, you know, developers of huge games. Uh, you know, uh, Silent Hills, uh, Keiichiro Toyama, uh, Hideo Kojima cites this as an influence. Fumito Ueda, Ueda uh, developer of Eco. Eco is, you know, wildly. You can, you can just, you can see it Fair right on the page there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Goichi Suda, you know, Suda51 cites that, which is weird because he's incredibly verbose in his games. Well, I was going to say, Ko- <laughs> Kojima citing this is fucking wild. <laughs> Kojima being influenced by something without dying dialogue like th- this would have been good if the characters would have explained everything in the world to each other at length <laughs> yeah. can we get the archival footage yeah can, can we actually can we cut the atmosphere <laughs> and instead just have the characters say what the world is <laughs> like i mean it's a big influence except for that one thing <laughs> right yeah. except for but, like the coolest thing about it but like it's yeah. an incredibly cinematic game like i could see this being a uh being an influence to him especially early you know like in a, in his pre-metal gear stuff or yeah, pre-metal gear solid stuff right yeah. yeah yeah the uh and also uh more modern things uh indie things yes so like uh puzzle you know your limbos mm-hmm. insides yeah and stuff have a lot to a lot of dna with this like inside specifically uh, just being in this weird world and not really knowing about it, what, yeah. to, what to do about it. Uh, big, uh, big inside vibes. Yeah. Um, Chahi kind of continued to make uh, cinematic platformers, but he didn't put out another game until 1998's Heart of Darkness, Yeah, which is a cartoony uh, version of this kind of genre, but you're in a different world trying to save your dog. And it has, uh, the art is gross. 
Um, it's a PS one game. Yeah. Uh, and I never liked it very much. I, I was really excited when I came out and I found out it was the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not very good. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That was one that got a lot of, uh, magazine press like in uh game pro. Like that's one that like I have, I have memories of it, even though I never played it because I read like step-by-step walkthroughs of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he did a uh, modern one. He worked with Ubisoft to make a 2011 game called From Dust. I know nothing about this. Have you tried this? Uh, I haven't. Uh, it's a god game mm. of some kind. The uh, the reviews are really fascinating. Okay. Because um, it's it's mostly like pretty good, like eights and nines out of ten. And then every once in a while, someone's like, this is a fucking five. <laughs> uh, you know, who are just uh, really upset. It looks neat. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a populace. Like, oh, okay yeah at points um it looks real neat nice so yeah i'm curious mm-hmm. yeah uh and then modern ports of this started showing up he um uh shahi got the um uh, ip rights back from delphine in 2004 that's how we get the uh the 15th anniversary re-releases that came to like windows xp um and then the 20th anniversary uh re-release which is the one that is widely available but, like that's one that came to ios and stuff Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for the 25th 30th, mm-hmm. and 35th yeah. anniversary. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's not true. I'm not going to keep buying this every five years, <laughs> but, uh, you know, good for him keeping it available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, as a, uh, for nostalgia piece and a historical artifact, yeah. uh, something that is, uh, we alluded to, you know, around when we talked about how this, uh, tells its story and stuff, but is worth talking about because as we get into, the nuts and bolts and what happens uh one it's going to sound like nothing yeah you know it's going to be over quick and it's going to sound uh not impressive and at times frustrating yeah because we're going to outlay out a bunch of ways you can die um the atmosphere of this game is really hard to fuck with yeah uh the way that it handles like the way that scenes are shot and the way that uh the sound effects will like ring out this kind of poor fidelity in this place where you don't know what's going to happen. Um, like playing this as a kid, this put me on edge. <laughs> like it was tense. It is, it is pretty stressful. Yeah. You know, in, in a, in an intentional way, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't feel, it's not stressful because you die easily. It's no. stressful because it's portraying this alienness. Yeah. Like the odds are so stacked against you. You know, there's a, there's a real sense of being far from home. Yes. Uh, so it, it is, uh, you know, it's a vibes thing. So that's hard to describe over podcast, I think. Yes. Um, but I think, I think that there is an undeniable vibe mm-hmm. to this game. Yeah. Even if you don't think you have the patience to play this, you know, uh, s- scrubbing through the 20 minute playthrough, I think we give you a little bit of a sense. It also requires so little patience to play it. Yeah. Like even if you're dying every death, it's an hour, yeah. you know, it, it's an hour and 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's really short. So, uh, short, 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 short game. So let's get into it. Yeah. Um, we get a little text crawl just saying, uh, explain Lester Knight Chicken uh, is hanging out. <laughs> Sorry. The, um, 
kind of, kind of uh, explaining what what happens. Yes. Uh, in in the story, and then we flash back to the beginning of the story. Right. Uh, it's all just stuff that like we're gonna do. Describes mm-hmm. being us. lost. Describes finding a uh, you know device that that lets him cut holes and stuff. You know that's his gun. Describes his friend who saved his life and he feels indebted to stuff like that. And then we uh, you know go back to the inciting incident. We get this lovingly rendered uh, Lamborghini sports car uh, just doing a power slide right up to his lab. I love it so much. The, uh, that was that was uh, rotoscoped, and he has the car Ooh. in the documentary. He has a little shelf of the props mm-hmm. uh, that are from this, and it's real cute. Um, but just man, I hate to keep uh, keep hammering this. Like when this came out on Super Nintendo, I had never seen anything like that car. Oh no, skidding to a, to a halt like that. It looks so fucking cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? this is this is a little bit uh like inside baseball as far as animation goes. Uh keep track of in 2D animation how often you see a car turn. Uh mm-hmm. that is actually really difficult to do. I know um, that from Venture Brothers commentaries, my d- friend. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. one of those things. Like I I ran into this when I was doing creative direction for like marketing videos. A client would be like, So why is this car just pulling in from the side? Like, can it, you know, can it turn and face or whatever? And it's like, all right, do you how many thousands of dollars do you want to add to your budget on this? Because that needs to go frame by frame. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, just uh, like making your opening visual statement, this kind of like a low canted, it almost seems like a, like an establishing shot from Miami vice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, undeniably badass, And also sets up this guy as just one of the, you know, works in the middle of nowhere in his, uh, his particle <laughs> accelerating bunker and drives a Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> this guy's badass. It's real uh, wish fulfillment kind of deal. Yeah. It's it's like an opposite. Like uh, it's this is the end goal for Gordon Freeman. Like he starts off as a regular guy, and then as you play the game, you get the creeping sense. Like oh, this guy's a weird fucking Superman. This 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 guy starts off as this you know Ken Wins style Chad, and then you realize he has feet of clay as he gets his back broken at the end. <laughs> you know, as he gets baned. Oh my um, god! It has to become a ter- pterodactyl tar, basically. <laughs> oh um, my gosh but yeah i uh, kind of goes in he takes his elevator down and sits at this amazing looking computer terminal uh ugh. the the uh the 3d interface that they do on this um you know just to like have sciencey stuff show up is pretty good uh and he's himself a coke he did what's that drinks himself a coke he does yeah uh and just starts the you know computer show me celery man just mm-hmm. starts the uh the experimental collider but unfortunately lightning Mm-hmm. Uh, that old canard of science mm. fucks it all up. Scientist's greatest friend and foe. Yes. Uh, and this makes the collider shoot energy out of him and teleport. Like they do the cool Terminator thing where like a sphere has basically been teleported out of the world. Yeah. And you can see this, you know, the, the console has been caved in uh, from this just incredibly cool looking and the lightning looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, in this, in terms of stuff I used to draw uh, on notebooks as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, this game and then, uh, Agahim making Zelda disappear. Oh yeah. And link to the past, like influenced what I was doing for energy effects <laughs> when I was drawing my little guys shooting bolts at each other and shit. Nice. Love the drawing that lightning. Yeah. Uh, but you get teleported and instead of being, uh, teleported, you know, into safety, which, which always happens in teleportation, you teleport underwater. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and immediately have to move. Uh, you have to in- instinctively press up or yeah. tentacles will grab you and pull you down. Yeah. Uh, I died to this. I didn't realize the game had started. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, after you get out of, of the water, you can see in the background a very famous uh, video game enemy, this thing called the Beast, uh, which is a big, lumpy uh, you know, creature. Yeah, uh, it's in the background, just as kind of foreshadowing. It's like a warthog, uh, wolf kind of deal. Who you really only see in silhouette uh, because of the, mm-hmm. the the flat shading. Uh, but he's got these uh, he's got these red eyes uh, that are very obviously kind of menacing you. Weird little heart of the alien trivia. Uh, heart of the alien implies that they were domesticated. Huh. Like in the village, there's one of them that's like laying down on the ground eating food. I, like they're, they're dogs. It's real weird. That tracks a little bit because you do find the like the cages uh, for for mm-hmm. these at the end. Although the those are obviously being kept for like gladiatorial combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometime in the past, like the common house dog mm. has been positioned for gladiatorial combat, yeah. which has the cadence of something that might be funny if you forget that dog fighting happens. Yeah, it's a thing that actual people do. Yeah, this is actually yeah. You know, that's the. Yeah, you know, this world <laughs> should have called this game. It's funny until you remember that it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, they should have called this Congress. <laughs> Am I right? Those Am clowns. Right? <laughs> uh, you get out. Uh, if you had your left, it's the dead end. If you had your right, uh, there are these leeches on the ground. Um, they'll you know jump up and bite you and kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're poison. You can kick them or jump jump over them. Yeah. Um, and uh, these earthquakes uh, kind of start happening. Until eventually you get to the right where the beast drops down uh, and gives you a uh, a big roar. Uh, weird thing in the censorship for the Super Nintendo version, they had to change the color of the slime mm-hmm. in his mouth. Nothing could be red. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo said. So uh, they changed it to this green as opposed to this like pinkish stuff because it was too, uh, too scary and implied blood. Yeah. Man, Nintendo in the 90s was weird. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous people. Oh gosh, the expurgation of another world. Enough for that. Like, (laughs) you fucking dorks. Making games strictly for the Flanders is this? Come on. Yeah, (laughs) I I was fine, and you could also like, you were just driving people. It was, it was you were alley ooping, like fucking setting up Sega. Oh yeah, you were doing. Yeah, just doing their work for them. Yeah, just just the 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 Nintendo to Sega pipeline. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are like, why are these why are these fighters so sweaty in Mortal Kombat? Yeah. (laughs) Just, uh, and I just, it will, I can play a slightly worse version with a slightly worse controller, mm-hmm. but get the actual game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but so you've got to run like he is at the right and you have to backtrack. You've got to run all the way, uh, all the way to the left, uh, jumping over the snakes that you had previously kind of, you know, probably gingerly avoided or kicked. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to the end, uh, and you have to take a, make, take a jump of faith up onto this vine, uh, which rips and kind of swings you back behind the beast, giving you a, uh, you know, to be able to run past him to the right. Uh, as he's chasing you, he stumbles at one point when he's just about to get you. Mm-hmm. Again, very cinematic. Yeah. Uh, when you get to the right, you bump into a dude uh, here. And uh, I love this. It shoots the beast and you think you're saved. Um, you put your little hand and you do a little like, hey. Hey, hi. You know, <laughs> hey, hi. Hey, guys. Mister here. Uh, wave. And then you get a uh, shot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, both of you have been captured. You'll run into the beast later. Yes. <laughs> um, and you wake up in a jail uh, opposite buddy. You know, you slowly uh, raise your eyes. You're uh, in this cave over this pit. There's a guard looking at you uh, and you have to swing the cage left and right in order to... Uh, to break out <laughs> yeah in order to like get over the ledge you know the the, the chain will break and crush this guard uh giving yeah. you an opportunity to uh to take a uh to, to, to uh, take a go at it yeah yeah 
when we talk about this game communicating things without uh, words, like you learn a lot here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not killing you and they're not killing you even as you do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you are, you're more useful to them alive. Yeah. Um, there's also in the background, a little kid. Yep. One uh, kind of comes out and sees this and then runs back. Uh, just kind of really implying that this is a living world and you're not in like a military zone. Yeah. Like this is a city and eventually we will break into the other parts of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leisure class. Yeah. Uh, here. Yeah. Uh, so you crush this guard um, and your buddy uh, taps you on the shoulder and points right before running off. Like kind of communicating to you. <laughs> He's communicating to you. He's giving you directions like, come on, we got it. We got to beat it. Yeah. Let's, let's hit the bricks. Um, you grab the guard's gun uh, and follow uh, fighting guards here. These early ones are not very accurate. You yeah. can just shoot them. You don't really have to engage with the shield system yet mm-hmm. uh, until you get to the end where buddy starts hacking a panel. Um, so you are out in the open. You have to start, you have to learn how to make shields uh, again. Nothing communicates this to you, but you've seen the enemy do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the enemy will shoot and then they will, they have to shoot once that shot will miss. Yeah. So that's telling you to press the button. And then the, the front of the gun starts glowing yeah. to create the shield. Like they demonstrate how to do it without telling you how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's neat. Yeah. And they put theirs up and you, uh, you create cover. So again, you are cooperating from the very earliest minutes of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, once you, uh, get through this, uh, you go to this elevator uh, which sounds like Eric Chahi's printer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to the top, it's optional where you can look at this kind of observatory and see the whole city. Yeah. Uh, you're really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, nice little touch. Uh, the critical path is going on at the bottom and blow out this power circuit. Yeah. Down there. This allows you to get past this guard that's a level up um, using this uh, transporter circuit. There are these transporter elevators as well that kind of beam you up and down. Yeah. It's pretty funny because this could have just been a little elevator. You know, little Dark mm-hmm. Souls elevator taking you 10 feet up. But yeah. Well, they have one of those as well. <laughs> yeah. There's one of them right next to her, but they also do this kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, you, you uh, he's guarding this. Uh, and it kind of seems like you're trapped when Buddy opens this manhole for you, uh, letting you go down and escape, you know, and he leaves you behind. You know, he's too big to get in here. But you, with your puny human form, can uh, get under the prison through these sewers. Yeah. Uh, you roll through these pipes. Uh, this was originally just a maze, mm-hmm. but they added the little steam burst in yeah. this to add a timing element uh, on the console version. Yes. Because they wanted to increase the difficulty. Um, it's not hard. You just have to stop and not roll through this, the scalding steam. Yeah. The only difficult thing about it is some of the like the collision uh, field is a little bit wider on the steam than you would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, but this is the beginning of a checkpoint as well. Yeah. Going into the under the prison zone. Mm-hmm. Or at least it is on the the remastered version. Yeah. Um, you get into, uh, you find this glowing closet, uh, which charges your gun. Uh, this is great. You float up in the air for a second. Yeah. Uh, when it happens, like, oh, fuck. It picks like, you up like an uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'll get you there. Ah, here. <laughs> charge your gun for uh, you. Now go play. This allows your gun to uh, charge into the full laser, mm-hmm. which allow you to kind of blow up in uh, certain walls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to make um, way through. Yeah. So you exit to the right and you kind of get to this outdoor area and you can see your buddy escaping in the foreground. Again, there is stuff that is happening in all of these different levels of focus, uh, which is a really great way to communicate uh, that there is more going on. You are, you know, even though you are in the mid ground, you are not the center of this world. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, when you get to the right, there's a cheap uh, trial and error thing. Yeah. Um, you can't jump across this bridge here. It's too far. I, the, what you have to do is actually just fall down and go left. Uh, shoot open the wall to get into this cave system uh, there. Yeah. Uh, once we do, we're in the caves now. Um, there are dropping spikes uh, that, that kind of fall down or dro- dropping onto spikes. You can drop onto them yeah. as you fall. Uh, reminding me of uh, Boyna's Blob. Oh, yeah. yeah. This part. Like, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, you get to this big uh, kind of drainage waterfall, and we have to stop this waterfall, so we have to go uh, back further to uh, to drain it yeah. through demolitions, Red it, Faction style. It's it's funny stepping into it because it, it's exactly the same as the drowning animation, at least on the SNES. Uh, but mm-hmm. I imagine what's happening is you're being kind of swept down, uh, kind of into the cistern with this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, kind of a little ways in, uh, as you go down into the uh, go down into these caves, um, uh, the ceiling begins to collapse, and you have to dodge between these boulders that are following. This is one area where I really wish that I didn't play it on the SNES, at least on my emulator. Uh, the slowdown on here was crazy. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Which normally doesn't doesn't bother me too much, like graphically, like whatever frames can drop, but the fact that the frame rate dropped also made the um, also made the input lag. Uh, to a degree so there was very little like delicate maneuvering that could uh, that could occur with getting around these things yeah slow slow down is such a weird thing yeah for old games and i'm always surprised when i see it on an emulator yeah you know like oh this is baked in (laughs) you know this is something they haven't boy my supercomputer can't can't Uh, do this i think it's a matter of like maybe they may like there are emulators that do frame skips Right, that can yeah. get around it. Maybe I just didn't configure it for it. But uh, there, there's probably a conversation to be had about which should which should a uh, developer of an emulator prize? You know, which should they prioritize? Accuracy to the original, uh, you know, the original way that this would have played, or you know, make a decision that yes, this is not something that the developer would have intentionally, uh, you know, allowed for if they could get around it. Uh, I can kind of see uh, a case for either. Yeah. Yeah. Same. No, I'm I'm just as a non uh, original hardware sicko. Yes, like typically I just don't want to yeah that stuff. <laughs> I, I get it. I appreciate it when it happens, but I want it to be like seeing a t tipos. Yeah, like I want it to be this weird little miracle I run into in the wild. Mm-hmm. Not a thing that I ever seek. Agreed. Yeah, you know. Um. Yeah, I can I can imagine that being really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um. You keep going right. Uh. You have to jump past these tentacles. And these little uh, toothy pits that go rum, 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 <laughs> that are like the uh, the gutter or not the uh, the gutter uh, the place under the gutter yeah the too <laughs> um, they're like those things yeah uh, and you get to the bottom and you have to use your blaster to uh, blow at the bottom of the cistern yeah um, filling up this area with water yeah and the water you know moves and fills um, realistically. Right. You've got to mm-hmm. outrun this wall of water as it's going down the tunnel. But like when you jump over a platform, the water will kind of like rush down into it and you're safe for a little while. This buys you a little bit of time. But that little area down there that is uh, that, that, that is full, that, that is, uh, you know, where the water is going, it'll fill up eventually. And then the water keeps coming after you. Uh, that is, again, super cool and super simmy, you know, so you think, oh, I'm safe. But then, oh, here comes the water again it's super simi and it remind it adds tension to the chase it reminds me of the scripted uh the beast falling down yeah in the beginning mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's a way of making something constantly on your tail and faster than you but still giving you a little edge yeah uh when you get past this you fall into this lower portion of the cave uh and to escape you uh shoot at a bat 
and then the bat gets frustrated and flies up into one of the tentacle monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things are basically the things from Half-Life. Yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised if they were not actually inspired by these. Yeah. Um, so you can get across these stalactites. Uh, that's very adventure gamey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically, it's like very Bart versus the Space Mutants adventure gamey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to, like bother this bat. It's uh, that's a little bit frustrating. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got to into it. Also, like you have to be like partway down a slope in order in order to shoot it and hit it. You know, yeah. it's not set up to be aim. like, yeah. You, just, yeah, you just shoot in front of you. Yeah. So uh to get fully back up um it, yeah so you've got to uh you've got to this is this is one of the places you have to blow up the bottom of this aquifer um and uh you've got to kind of reach this area where the pressure from the water going down will uh kind of like resume and blow you back up mm-hmm. Zoom. <laughs> uh so now that you've done this, you've drained uh, the water chamber. I love that you when you fly up and the little cap <laughs> just lands on the little thing. Like you're like, just dunk, and you're just fine. Yep. Um, once you've done this, uh, the waterfall stops. So you can proceed. Yeah. Uh, and this brings us to a level uh, here, which I think this is the segment that was added for consoles. Mm. Uh, there's a level that was added. Uh, to it. In addition to just those Steam vents, there are a couple things that were added to the game. I think that this uh, this area before the arena yeah um, it's a it's a little um it's it's yeah i mean there's a lot before the arena here though um you get into these catacombs it's a little bit more anonymous than the than the rest of the game i could see the catacomb portion being a little bit uh um being a little uh uh kind of added in after the after the fact i just it's it's you see uh allusions to the fact that they added a level but without playing them back to back it's hard to know what was added because yeah. you know the bit that was added doesn't stand out you know, mm-hmm. it's not like uh, the DLC for Human Revolution or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it it's pretty, pretty well integrated. Mm-hmm. Even though this is like a low detail zone. Yeah. Uh, so you get to kind of this built up cavern. Uh, you're not in like rough hewn uh, kind of cave tunnels anymore. Uh, like there are chandeliers, there are lamps and stuff. Uh, and as you're exploring, as you walk through, you can kind of see this little cross crawl space beneath you. You can't get into it, but Buddy is uh, is is crawling down there. You're your uh, your alien friend, but he's stopped by this uh, by the chandelier chain. Uh, you've got mm-hmm. to go down, and uh, you remember like how many screens to the left of you he was. You've got to go down and uh, shoot the chandelier beneath him so that uh, it'll you know the counterweight will fall, and he'll be able to go, crawl past to, you know to get through this tunnel. Yes. Uh, when you try to go right on this upper path after this, uh, there's a guard who will roll bombs at you. Uh, this is tricky. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like there's nothing uh, to do about this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you cannot get past this guy yet. Um, you go to the lower path um, and a guard will kind of yell at you uh, in this little scripted scene um, and you kick him. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, by it, pressing the gun button. He doesn't just yell the... at you. He like, he picks you up. Like he does like oh, a, yeah, he yeah. does a throat grab and lifts you. You've got to, you know, press the attack button, uh, you know, cause he knocks you over, knocks your gun out of your hand. You have to do, you know, hit your attack in order to kick him and, uh, like, r- you know, roll over and scramble and pick up your gun and, uh, shoot him before he can uh, shoot you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once you get past him, uh, there are more guards. They'll kind of come from both sides. Um, this seems like so in these combat sections, something that's pretty interesting is that it seems like these are just puzzles where there's one way to get through. There is a level of um execution or chance yeah. to these things. I watched a couple speedruns of this game and they were kind of explaining 
you know, the, the logic that happens behind whether you get hit and how fast the guards shoot and stuff. Hmm. So there's a little bit of like expression to these zones, okay. uh, but not very much. Yeah. Um, it's what I was saying earlier in the intro that it's kind of a combat engine. Yeah. You know, like there, there's, there's an element of expressive combat to this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's somewhere between just being that and another puzzle element. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you've got to figure out how to get through this because you run, you got an enemy in front of you and there's, uh, enemies who come in behind you, uh, you know, and this is one of those places where like the way that I got through this was, um, uh, <laughs> kind of figuring, okay, I don't have to deal with everybody here. Like mm-hmm. put up a, put up a shield behind me so I don't get shot from the back and then, uh, shoot the guy in front of me and proceed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, when you get past him uh, through here, we get to this cistern that's full because you you did the uh, underground cave hijinks. Uh, and we cannot go right. Uh, that area that has tons of guards. So we go down into the water, uh, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and this is a swimming section where you have to, like, recharge your air at, at air bubbles. Um, again, there's not any UI element to show how much air you have. It's pretty generous. Yeah. Uh, but you can drown. Sonic yeah. style. <laughs> so, yeah, you swim down uh, like there's a little path that goes up, but this is to an air bubble uh, and you proceed uh, down from there. You know, it's like your little halfway point uh, to get into this place where you could have dropped down here before, but you couldn't have done anything um, because mm-hmm. of uh, spikes and uh, pit, pitfalls and things like, things like that. Now that this is full, you can swim across those hazards to destroy this power line uh, again, letting you move forward. Yeah, but then you get the drop on that guy who's rolling bombs at you. Yeah, uh, the way you fight back against those guys is uh, the doors are automatic. Yeah, in this so you get close, so he thinks there's a, a way to get through, and the, through, and then you step back, and the door closes. Yeah, and the bomb will roll right back at him like an idiot, and he's like, "Duh!" and just gets blown up, <laughs> hoisted. Uh, so, uh, this, this is neat. Uh, there's like, uh, this was a puzzle that gave me a little bit of pause because I didn't think that they would be modeling what they were modeling. Uh, this mm-hmm. is like the, 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 the thing that makes this work is not a level of fidelity that you would expect from a 1991 game, let alone one that ends up on the SNES. So yeah. there's, there, there, there's a guard, uh, you know, down on the lower levels that, uh, you can't get past. He's, you know, waited there. He will shoot you immediately, uh, when you, uh, step onto a screen, uh, beyond this bomb rolling guy you get up, you, you are at the top of this, uh, chamber where these, where there are these hanging, um, green glass orbs that are like decorative elements, right? Um, mm-hmm. you need to shoot them down, but you can't just shoot them down at any time. You have to look. Uh, for the moving reflection at the bottom of the biggest, uh, the bottom of the the biggest of these green orbs, um, and shoot and destroy this when the guard below, it's his reflection, uh, is uh, at the bottom of the orb. So like you're discerning his position based on them modeling the light, which is yeah. fucking wild. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's it's a bummer from a game design perspective because if you fuck it up, you've soft locked. Yes yourself you you know you can't uh i don't think you can you can deal with them there might be like a speedrunner strat yeah that does it um but yeah it's really cool mm-hmm. uh again 1991 <laughs> wild you know, yeah i was 11 <laughs> but, uh, I, I was four uh and it falls and crushes four, this guy four a, baby, <laughs> a toddler not yet crushed by the world yeah imagine this little virgin <laughs> just absolutely seeing this blowing his <laughs> tiny little mind I was playing Super Mario World at the time, which was mind blowing in its own way. Also mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, few reflections. Yeah. Once you get past him, uh, you know, you fall into this kind of like kill zone that it has uh, set up for you. This like trap. You have to blow out this right wall and run through this series of doors, like do this kind of chase sequence. Yeah. Um, and to get to the end, you're being chased and you think you're cornered. Uh, there's a dead end, but Buddy is crawling above you. And uh, you make shields while he uh, opens up this hatch and pulls you up through. Yeah. Uh, like he, he you know, reaches his hand down and like you have to go over to him and then like reach up and he'll uh, he'll yank you up to safety. Uh, a wonderful, uh, wonderful moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're reunited. And it mm-hmm. feels so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he takes you up and uh, you're on the surface here. Uh, you're kind of getting into some of the more populated areas. There's like a uh, like a guardhouse over here to the right. Uh, if you follow Buddy into there, uh, you're going to be shot uh, because the plan is he's going to step in there and kind of engage them from the front. You have to kind of go to the left and step up uh, onto this little ledge. And then you're in the background now. You can sidle past the guardhouse, you know, and get a view for, you know, get a view inside uh, of, you know, to see what's happening there and then come back in from the right and, uh, you know, engage them, shoot them from behind. Uh, so yes. they're not going to be uh, taking shots at you. Yeah. Uh, cute little plan. And you, there's nothing you can do to know that this is the plan. Mm-hmm. You can't talk to Buddy. So it, it's purely trial and error. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but once it comes together, it's pretty cool again. Yeah. You know, and the checkpoint is right there because you just started a new zone. Mm-hmm. Um, once you uh, get past this, um, there's this big gap that you need to clear, but you can't do it on your own. Uh, Buddy has to fastball special you across. <laughs> and uh, you bounce on a canopy uh, like you do in movies. And he attempts to jump after you, but the canopy collapses. Uh, these aliens, we don't really talk about it, but they're like big dudes. Yeah. They're like seven and a half feet tall. Yeah. They're uh, little... Big hairless. Well, usually hairless. Every once in a while, one of them has fucking Dave Grohl hair. <laughs> Do you notice the ones that look like Dave Grohl on the cover of his fucking book? <laughs> yeah, uh, a little. The yeah. storyteller. Yeah, I don't care for that. <laughs> Look, the uh, I I know that you're a Foo Fighters fan, so I haven't been bringing it up. Yeah, me and the band have been uh, having a real field day texting each other pictures of the cover of that book. Yeah, no, it's embarrassing. Yeah, uh, it's excruciating, <laughs> dude. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, I'm a storyteller. Not... What a bard! Tell us a story, you raconteur. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for like for a band whose lyrics kind of famously don't really mean anything you know yeah <laughs> like no, he's the storyteller yeah i uh, yeah. you know uh, i I'll, I'll stand up for probably more of their music than i should uh it was real meaningful to me in high school and such uh but uh but yeah that that, that book cover is pretty rough that is rough shakes it's a, uh, we keep joking about taking that picture and then just making that our band t-shirt, <laughs> like just that picture. And then we just put the name of our band above it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, it's, it, it, it's rough thinking about Foo Fighters because of Taylor Hawkins rip yeah. rest in peace, bud. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but man, what a, uh, not a way to go out, but like what a, uh, outpouring. Oh man. Like just... I, I watched, uh, there was a thing on, uh, a French country, they did a concert mm-hmm. where they did a, a Foo Fighters song and it was a thousand people mm-hmm. playing the song, uh, which it didn't sound good. Oh, like, of course. course it didn't sound yeah. good. But if you want to hear what it sounds like for a thousand people mm-hmm. to play one song, oh, yeah. like, you know, that his death caused that. It's yeah. pretty wild. So you just, uh, do, do just in like simultaneous celebration. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, the storyteller. The story. So every once in a while, there are storyteller aliens who <laughs> <laughs> go up and tell you the real deal on Kurt. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. <laughs> but uh but yeah, he you know, the canopy cannot uh you can't bounce off of it, just kinda collapse. So he's hanging there for uh like what in gameplay time is an implausibly long time. If you execute mm-hmm. this, it's only like a minute or two. <laughs> it's still a long time to just flex arm hang. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like he would pass the presidential fitness test. One hundred whatever they have, the Matsuba. <laughs> uh, um so you jump down uh into like kind of a church. Yeah. Um, and we have to do this like in a series of actions, uh, in order to rescue him. Yeah. A series of actions that, uh, that, that includes you intuiting that a certain section of floor that has no markings can be, uh, can be blown open by rolled yeah. grenades. Yep. Uh, pretty silly. Yeah. Um, you hold up a guard, uh, who didn't quite get through the door in time. Uh, so you press this emergency button to close some doors above him. Uh, then you go up and you go to guard into rolling those grenades down the rolling grenades down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So it blows up the floor. Yeah. Uh, so you can move through as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You drop down this warp and you uh, kill this guard uh, behind the door that was uh, held up by uh, the, uh, or the, the door that was closed by the guard that was held up. If you go up there without doing that step, uh, this, this, the, the guard who's posted will uh, shoot you. You know, because he yeah. can't see you. Having the door closed gives you the ability to put up a shield, open this door, and then take your shots at him. You know, to actually engage yeah. in the combat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you go down this little warp, one of those little uh, elevator things, these beaming things, kill a guard uh, behind the door, the behind the held up guard, mm-hmm. and then uh, warp down and destroy another power relay. Yeah. Down here. And then head back upstairs, drop through the hole that was blown open by the grenade. Uh, this puts you between the floors so you can run over uh, this grating. You know, if you uh, just walk over, you'll get shot. Mm-hmm. They can see you above it. Um, I always like it when games treat a grating like something you can shoot through. Yeah. It's always very uh, – I wish that games would standardize that. Yes. You know, like you're playing GoldenEye or whatever and – you may as well be invincible because there's a fence between you, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you run over this grating uh, and draw, uh, and if you uh, you don't want to drop it on the next hole, there are too many guards there. Yeah. Um, but uh, when you uh, in this area, the beast from the beginning of the game is there. Yeah. And he's been captured for gladiatorial combat. Yeah. So this is another one of those things where you where you need the uh, you, you need the future information. If you drop down there, you're going to get killed, but you will see the red eyes of the beast in this uh, cell behind you. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have to drop down there to see, uh, you want to jump over this, uh, this hole, uh, on this dark screen, uh, and get over there and pull the lever. So that beast will be released. Um, and, uh, it will go around causing chaos, uh, and all of the enemies will be too busy, uh, taking shots at this guy, taking shots at the beast, you know, so you can proceed beyond. Yeah. Uh, to get past them and rescue your friend. Yeah. Uh, when you do so, he runs over to this, uh, bigger teleporter there and kind of flexes uh, to use it it's like keyed to their their big girlish dna <laughs> to their to their physiques the, the girl reporter uh, <laughs> a lot up um and he has to kind of do the gesture uh you know after he does it we have to try to do the same gesture it's real uh, this is so cute because he does it and it doesn't work and he has to try it again to make it happen mm-hmm. Yeah, which which would happen? Yeah, you know, uh, we're we're into this kind of short stretch here where it's like, how do these fuckers do technology? Uh huh. You know, because we get into uh, when we get to the top, we get into this like weird machine of war tank thing. Yeah, uh, and uh, we drive it out onto the floor of this coliseum. Whatever this culture is, they were doing uh, tank versus beast fights. Uh huh. In this coliseum, in a way that like pretty fucking <laughs> rad. The 
<laughs> it's really hard to understand how what the technology level or culture level. Yeah, yeah. This is in Heart of the Alien. Uh, everyone lives in kind of like thatched hut villages. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, you get this. I can't remember where I read this. If this was just somebody's idea, because there's definitely nothing that presents it. But it almost feels like a very high tech society, uh, having been hermit crowded by a low tech. Oh, yeah, the Morlocks going up and uh, taking over Eloy stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like that's uh, somebody, I saw that idea somewhere and that uh, seems sound to me. That's, that seems like the, like the concept for a, you know, a planet they would visit in Star Trek to me. Yeah, no, very much so. Yeah. You know, and it's like they have access to these tanks and all this stuff, but they're just using it for gladiatorial combat. Yeah. And uh, to get uh, naked ladies down by the pool. Oh, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it's really funny. Like your tank, you know, you're in this Coliseum, uh, the tank is under fire. It's being shot. And you're just like, fuck, you know, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's just like a bunch of buttons. Yeah. Like there's a, a, there's, there's a, buttons. there's a cut in, you see the, you see the buttons and then you see your little hand, uh, and you have to figure out what sequence you press stuff in, in order to make this happen. It's a, it's a keep talking and nobody explodes. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I just imagine just being like, well, fuck, <laughs> you know, like, this is where I would die. Yep. Uh, you know? oh man it's 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 real uh you you know program this uh vcr uh so you can have your program this vcr and we will spare your life kind of deal Mm -hmm. (laughs) very much so yeah uh but you've got to you know press if if, it's a couple of different stages too because you you know hit hit the first you hit the the second and third button then another bank of buttons shows up and you have to press all of them on one row and then the uh the the, like the fire button uh that will will show up and you you press the big flashing blue one but doesn't fire any weapons it uh fires your escape pod across the city (laughs) you eject (laughs) (laughs) which also very funny yeah uh, and then you crash into a sexy alien bathhouse. Imagine, yeah. uh, if you will, a bunch of big titty Dave Grohl's with shaved heads. Mm, be still and, my heart. Uh, yeah. The, um, I'll tell you something that's the, ever long. <laughs> there's my hero. Uh, the the Nintendo had to censor them. And there's a great little bit on Eric Shahi's website where he's like, Nintendo made me make these changes to the game over three pixels of alien butt crack. Yep. Uh, literally just had to like too much butt crack, just trim it down a little bit. And Nintendo was good with it. It's like, it, it, it's exactly as much flesh, but like it's less implied. So like, yeah. Or- oh, that's back. Oh, Ooh, okay. Oh, that's crack or pussy. No, <laughs> you know, Oh, it's your neck. Okay. The, the, um, wild or what is it yeah not neck it's not my neck my back my pussy my crack it's titties right yeah you know, the fourth it, thing it, 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 i i i can't remember it's my my, yeah. my my ass my neck my pussy and my crack or something yeah yeah i would neck would rhyme but that's a weird i boy i need to listen to that song again <laughs> like why didn't i do my research <laughs> um for another world by eric chahi let me i'm, I'm, I'm getting song. to the bottom of this because it's gonna bother me uh no it is my neck my back my pussy and my crack yeah huh yeah. yeah what uh what are they doing with that neck uh you know i have not really read the lyrics to this and uh i i don't know i i i don't really feel it uh uh oh it's 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 all it's it's all about licking yeah okay yeah oh i guess that makes sense yeah you lick a neck in yeah the, it feels in, good to have a neck lick yeah in the, in the in the course of events yeah yeah <laughs> that makes sense a back lick is also a little bit strange but i can see it yeah yeah i've been known to lick a back or two i i get it <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, 
you know, it's, we're operating without a net here. There's no script. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's hard, man. Cause you know, you're, you're making out, you're doing sex stuff and like, there's only so many moves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you had to put them together. It's like you're a juggle maniac. Oh. <laughs> you're just like putting together elements of your show. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, come up with a new dish of Taco Bell. <laughs> like you got the, it's, it's very similar yeah. to that. Like, do I do the back lick or do, I mean, the, as soon as you start thinking about it, yeah. you, you turn into the worst nerd that's ever been and you long, you know, no, no. And people are like, that's why you, that's why people do kinky shit. You fucking weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it, because it gives you a fucking it expands, <laughs> the voc- it, it expands the vocabulary. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. uh, anywho, uh, there's some good nudity in this game is what we're trying to say. So yes. that hairless Dave Grohl situation <laughs> is uh, on full display here. Um, but I love, I love what this, I mean, we're joking a lot. Uh, I love what this implies though. Cause we've, we're now seeing the civilian. Yeah. So like it, this is a weirdly, really well put together little world mm-hmm. in terms of like dungeon ecology and suggesting, yeah. like, you know, that word is plausibility. Yeah. We've kind of gone, uh, we've gone from this ritual yeah. space. We've crossed the city in indeterminate degree and we've like crash landed into luxury and we brought the chaos yes. with us. And I, I want to draw a comparison and, uh, you know, not to, this is not me getting on a, a soapbox light to get on, but at the time I played this, uh, you know, JRPGs were vitamins to me. Mm-hmm. Played them all the time. Uh, one of the things that I think is, uh, I have a lot of problems with that genre, uh, with classics of that genre. One of my biggest problems is the lack of sense of space. Yes. Um, I think that in terms of uh, video games, they have some of the worst dungeons yeah. you know, in the business because they don't care about what a room is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a hallway and this room just has a treasure chest in the corner. There's nowhere to sit. So yeah. we do anything. It's just a maze. Cause fuck it. We don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate that about the genre contrast it with this game that came out in 1991, even sooner than that, yeah. you know, or came at you know, on, on more primitive systems and has this sense of like, yeah, you go to the church and then, uh, you know, they're not really using the church. Mm-hmm. So that implies, you know, supports this idea of this more, less sophisticated society taking over this high-tech area you go to their gladiatorial arena where they're doing like tank fights and then you blast off to where like the people relax yeah like the the luxury and stuff you're seeing all the parts of this world in a way that like even video games that were better about it that came out way later Mm -hmm. like where did the people sleep in that castle and chrono trigger that you go to in the beginning there's a lot of just rooms Mm -hmm. you know there's some bookshelves it looks a little bit better but there's not this sense of like place yeah I find that absolutely key in video games. Like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to appreciate a video game that doesn't do that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, cause and to a, to a certain degree, when we look at uh, a storytelling medium, not to sound pretentious, not to sound like the storyteller, Dave Grohl, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it needs to be like a, a, a cool thing about a story is that it reflects something about the human experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And you'd like to say that, the nature of the spaces people inhabit uh, and the way it reflects them and the way they live are not a part of a story ends up making, you know, stuff feel hollow to a degree, right? Like that yeah. is, that is to a degree, something of uh, something of an important part of uh, telling, te- you know, telling a story about people is where they happen to be. Right. Um, and, you know, for all of the talk of how, 
those games, you know, at their highest moments do reflect something, you know, like to see the cells and Sid scene in Final Fantasy VI, right? Uh, yeah. Again, to look at another classic of the of, of the genre, like yes, it hits those. That's what you remember uh, because it's living up to the promise. Uh, then you get to the bullshit maze dungeons where it doesn't have the where it doesn't have the space and you see that that is that is friction that is being added in between these scenes which is what actually mattered to them yeah yeah and it, and it, it's most of it by volume yes you know you can be in a place called like even a place that has a function to it like the magic factory mm-hmm. uh, and it just feels like a you know a random like why do those conveyor belts go there mm-hmm you know, just random. It just, it makes it feel more video gamey, yeah. and not taking advantage of the aspect of exploring space that is those spaces are important. You know, mm-hmm. making those spaces important is really maddening because exploring spaces is like ninety percent of what you do in games. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to walk through this area, yeah. Regardless, why not make that area contribute to characterization or culture or story? Yeah, and the you answer know? is probably resources, time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, re- like resources, time and interest, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot of people don't care, give a shit about this, Yeah, but it, it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I really, really love to see it. Yep. No. And that is so, something that is afforded to this game by nature of its scope, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it is short, uh, and it helps with that. It is but short. It's also like one dude made it. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, get a whole staff. You could have made a longer game that had this level of care. Yeah. You know, in terms of, uh, that aspect of it. So mm-hmm. I just, I just really like breaking in behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, the non video game part of this, the part that doesn't feel like a video game should happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, after you get out of the bathhouse, you know, they, they've chased you here. <laughs> they, they, they saw where the, uh, the sky tank landed. Um, so you had to fight your way, uh, rightward as they, they fire on you. Uh, and buddy joins you. He burst through a stained glass window, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> Speaking of Chrono Trigger, <laughs> it's very good. Uh, you run to the right. Uh, unfortunately, the floor is blown out uh, from below you, and we get this cinematic view of this alien guard catching you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I like about this, again, the way this is telling the story with no words or anything, is that for a second, uh, I thought this was Buddy. Oh, it seems like you have a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems kind of like Buddy because they, they do look the same, but they're subtly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their models and then you see uh buddy drop down and and get your back yeah and then they do a hilarious slap fight <laughs> and at least in the enhanced edition the sound effect is literally just like <laughs> they do this like very funny little slap fight uh <laughs> just tapping each other on the face <laughs> it's great it's really funny oh it's so good <laughs> No, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, this guard, when he picked you up, he kind of gave you, gave you the business, uh, kind of beating mm-hmm. you and injuring you so badly that all you can do is crawl. Um, and while they are fighting, what you have to do is go over to this lever, lever on the right um, and wait for uh, the bad guard uh, to get under this, uh, this device, kind of this big uh, beam weapon and activate it. So he will get, uh, so he'll get fried. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you crawl over like you cannot move your legs. Uh, you can, you know, at mm-hmm. this point, uh, well, you know this from Heart of the Alien, but as a kid, that was always my interpretation of this. Was that his back uh, was broken? It, yeah. Yeah. Like you crawl over there and Buddy picks you up uh, there and brings you up to this, this area where there is like a dragon. Mm-hmm. Like really awesome transparency effect on the wings. Oh, looks yeah. really artificial. Makes it look like a robot, but still very cool looking. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and you get on the, the, this dragon, this wind creature and fly off into the distance. And that's the end over like beautiful, cheesy synth guitar solo <laughs> stuff, like very dated. Yeah. But you know, uh, and l- lends to the charm. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And in my mind, that was the end. Yeah. Uh, and it was a really strong end. Like, what are they going to do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, uh, and is my guy, you know, seriously, seriously injured, you know, probably, but you got this friend Yeah, and you're going to go see what else is going on in this world and stuff. <laughs> and I don't get to know it. Yeah. I just got to see this tiny little slice that suggested things outside of the frame. Yes. Yeah. You know, about, uh, about what might exist, you know, are there other civilizations like your you know buddy seems to have a plan. You know, yeah. like he knows that getting away, like if you're running, like, yes, half of what half of running is running away from something, but he's got, he's got to have an idea of somewhere you can go. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shahi likes, uh, likes the ambiguity of this, you know, like he doesn't mm-hmm. really answer what, uh, they're going to head to, um, the sequel, uh, you know, has your character has Lester night shaken, uh, dying. Uh, but, uh, in some of the like write-ups about what possibly could happen on the, on the other end has Lester like taking over the civilization. Like he ascends to become the king. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> it, it, it's very, uh, it's very Randolph Carter. Yeah. You know, him becoming a king. Uh, you know, it's very, uh, the silver key mm-hmm. beyond the wall of sleep or not beyond the wall of sleep beyond the whatever uh the other one that's not the silver key um yeah and that's a that's another world which mm-hmm. is a like i will describe it like a way i think of this is as a pretty bad video game but a pretty cool experience yeah yeah uh the way that you i know? thought about it was like you know i didn't like this in the moment to moment a lot i respected it was the thing yeah yeah uh and something that i think is very important uh, or something that I like about what we do is we try to look at things both ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's, if it's on the plate, it gets judged. Uh, it's important to not just look at things historically. It's also important to think about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how they feel in the hands. Yeah. And this is a weird thing where the only thing that makes this tolerable to me in the hands is the drip of those remarkable elements. And just the fact that it's so slight yeah. and generous with checkpoints. Mm hmm. Yeah. You and, know. you know, I, that, that's what I like about our approach is like, we're not necessarily trying to convince each other or the like, we're not making a persuasive case about this. I don't really care if the people who are listening are on the same page about this. So we can look at it from both perspectives. We can have both of it, both ideas in our head without dissonance or without, um, you know, uh, needing to feel like we cannot proceed unless everybody's on the same page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. A, it it. It doesn't matter. It's a complicated yeah. work. It contains multitudes. Like somebody in the Slack, I cannot remember to who, so I apologize, but was, you know, tried to, was playing along with the show. Mm-hmm. Some people do that. And uh, was just like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like I died right away. I didn't even know what to do, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, myself and then like several people were just kind of like, yeah, it, I mean, it might not be for you, but it's also like that it's a weird thing to say, but that's something that you will be rewarded for getting over yeah you know it's it's very contrary to how video games work mm-hmm. but if you recontextualize this again it's it's, it's more generous dragon's lair mm-hmm. uh then it, it can work for you and you can get a lot of magic out of it yeah you know and like everything it's a you know setting expectations correctly i think is uh is is going to 100 oh, uh, yeah like if if 
somebody sells this to you as like, it is a classic Super Nintendo game that is hugely influential. That's just true, but it's not the end of the story. <laughs> and if somebody sells that to you that way, you might be thinking like, oh shit, like it's a Yoshi's Island I didn't play, <laughs> you know, or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. No. It's closer to like Alone in the Dark, you know, like very influential, but pretty awkward. Yes. Yeah. Thing. Alone in the Dark is a, is a really good comparison. Yeah. So cool game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like it and I like getting uh, my thoughts on it down. I like revisiting it even after, you know, it's only been like five years or whatever mm-hmm. since I last played it for Retronauts. Yeah. And, uh, and our uh, approach is different I, than Retronauts. Yeah. 100%. And I think there's a uh, room for these short snacky games. Agreed. I want to do more of them for God's sakes. I want to do more of them. Mm-hmm. Here's long. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's what's next. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, in the last episode, we talked about our schedule change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep that in mind. If you have anything to say about uh, out of this world, uh, it is too late, I believe. Um, yeah, it will be too late. Yeah. yeah uh, for that. But uh, if you have anything to say about uh, next month's games, which have changed, you can write in at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yeah. Uh, so July's games are going to be uh, the first week is Children of Morta. Uh, a roguelike uh, game um, that uh, that uh, uh, somebody executive produced. That was Julia, right? Julia. Yeah. Indeed. Um, the next game is a bit of a snack. We're going back in time to play Castlevania II Simon's Quest. Uh, yes. And, uh, and then the uh, uh, the premium episode for, uh, for July uh, is going to be Control. Um, yes. Yeah. Another, another... Uh, that is a, a sponsored episode by Noel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noel. And then uh, I'm the one who put Castlevania II on. Yep. Uh, this is me getting two picks in a row because <laughs> yes. of uh, a swapping things around, but it's happened before. Yep. And it'll and happen again. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> we, we, we swap things around. So I would get the Halloween pick. So, yeah. And we do, we just do it kind of uh, generally. I'm really excited to talk about Castlevania too. Mm-hmm. The fact that we haven't had the like official announcement, we like moved it up. Yeah. We haven't talked about that, but like, boy, mm-hmm. fascinating game. Yeah. I uh, just, I, I, I um, dig, I dig those weird, uh, those weird SNES era, or those weird NES era sequels to big games. Yeah. Uh, again, very similar to this in that like 100% passes the vibe check and has a lot of problems as a video game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, our previously, uh, planned things we were going to do for July, we're not doing it in August. So if you have anything to say about final fantasy 12, the Zodiac age, uh, or Wario land four, please, uh, go to duckfeed.com tv slash contact by august 15th yes deadline is always the 15th of the month click the uh waff button on duckfeed.tv slash contact if you have thoughts about multiple games uh please rate them in as multiple responses that uh makes our job possible to do uh mm-hmm. you know because we talk we read your responses grouped up by game yes um yeah and then we have stuff coming for the rest of the year mostly planned out not entirely planned out though so if you want to support a game uh, there's still space. Mm-hmm. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. You can also just do that if you want to get uh, our premium episodes, which will include the next episode on Vampire, mm-hmm. um, Control, and Warrior Land 4. Uh, or if you just want to support us, yeah, uh, get bonus shows, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't do that, we understand. We're still happier here. You can do free things like leaving a rating or review in iTunes or whatever podcast directory you get the show from, uh, or telling your friends or, uh, you know, talking about the show on social media, uh, as a network, we really only grow by word of mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. And I think that's about it. I think so. Uh, anything else you can, what, what should they do? Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, until next time, watch out for your friend with the weird voice. <laughs>